You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel as written to us by John. Since it's a little longer gospel, and I'm basically going to comment as we go through it, why don't you sit down? And altar boys, you can sit down too. I know we're changing the rules. There's so much to say here, and I, I want you to catch it in the text itself. At that time, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now, already there, there's something significant. It had always been called the Sea of Galilee. But once the Romans took over, they renamed it in honor of their emperor. So we know they're a colonized people. It's now the Sea of Tiberias. But they pass over that. They've come to accept their inevitable fate. And he revealed himself in this way. Together there were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. It must be consoling to many of you to know that this whole story begins in most ordinary circumstances. It's not in an office building, not in a castle, not in a fortress, but with men who are going fishing. That's good. Because that's where the big things happen in ordinary life, but only if you're paying attention. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they all got into the boat, but the whole night they caught nothing. Maybe that's familiar to some of you too. When it was already dawn, they saw Jesus standing on the shore. Now remember, this is after the crucifixion and resurrection. So they haven't seen him for a while. And in some of the other accounts, they say, it's a ghost. It's an apparition, as it were. And here, it's given away that their surprise leads them not to recognize him. This is rather universal. And we'll get to that, why that's true. Because now... Jesus, the Christ, has morphed into every human body. He isn't one body, he's all bodies. So it never looks exactly like Jesus. It looks like you, and you, and you, and me. And Jesus said to them, Sons, have you caught anything? They answered, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over to the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it, and they were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is what John always calls himself, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. Now that's supposed to be humorous. Mm. 
Normally, you take your clothes off before you dive into the water. But Peter is so excited to see Jesus, he puts his clothes on and jumps in the water. But we're so used to these being highly spiritual texts that we we don't expect anything humorous. Now, the other disciples came along in the boat. They were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards. They were dragging the net with the fish. And when they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Now, where else is going to test what good biblical scholars you are? Most Catholics are not at all, but I'm sure some of you are. Where else in the Gospels have you heard of a charcoal fire? Anybody know? I wouldn't have known. I hadn't studied. When Peter betrayed Jesus, remember he was warming his hands around a charcoal fire. So we return now to the scene of the crime. And on the charcoal fire was fish on it and bread. Peter said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and he dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Now I don't know who counted them so carefully. But what do we find out from cultural studies? At that time in Israel, the Jewish people believed there were 153 nations on this earth. See, unless you learn how to read symbolically, you don't get the meaning of most scriptures. Literalism, the way I'm afraid a lot of fundamentalists interpret the Bible, is the lowest level of meaning the least helpful level of meaning. It's all symbolic. But most of us aren't trained to read literature, much less spiritual literature. So he's he's saying to them, the message you've got is big enough to catch everybody, all 153 nations of the earth. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. We can hold all of it. Now, unfortunately, our Christian history hasn't been very inclusive. Most of our history has been deciding who doesn't belong. You know, every century it's a new group. In our century, it tends to be gay people and, and people who've had an abortion. I'm not making a moral judgment on that, but I'm just saying every century it changes. Who are the bad people now? Who are the bad people now? So we're not interested in pulling in the whole net. We are quite satisfied if it's white, middle-class Americans or whatever your group might be. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. How ordinary. Jesus revealing himself at breakfast. Down at Wex, you know. There he is, sitting there with you. It's that ordinary. And if you're not prepared to meet Jesus at Wex, you're probably not prepared. You're not going to see him anywhere else. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They realized it was the Lord. 
Now Jesus came over and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And in like manner, the fish. This was now the third time he had revealed himself since the resurrection. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know, men don't usually say that to one another. They're afraid to, unfortunately. But it's very dear that Simon does. Why do you think he does? Because this is the first time he's seen Jesus after he betrayed him three times. And so he's not sure, are we still friends? <laughs> do you still love me? Simon P Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Take care of the ordinary people. He then said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. Take care of the big people, too. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus now asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now you've already figured it out. Three betrayals, three statements of love. We'll come back to that in a minute. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But as you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you would rather not go. That's what I call the second half of life. First half of life, we're pretty much steering the ship, creating our career, our reputation, our marriage, our education, our children, it's all about us. It really is. And God understands that. The trouble is a lot of people so good on that course that they never change. It's always all about them. If you're really growing up spiritually, something should be happening in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, even your 60s, where you realize it's not all about you. And with the remaining years, you recognize the purpose of life is to give your life away. Not to keep protecting it, not to make another million dollars, not to build a bigger home, not to have a nicer car. Oh, I know we all like those things, but that better not be the purpose of your life. And for a lot of Americans, it is. It's the whole, the whole purpose of their life. I was on several plane flights this week. Well, I might as well tell you where I was going. I was with Oprah. We were filming in California, but my, <laughs> it was wonderful. But uh, the real reason I was on the plane was uh, uh, to get there and to get back. But I, 
was struck both in the airport and the plane by the conversation of the ordinary American. It's always about the cost of things, what I can get this for, how I can make money on that, how I lost money on this. What a waste of a lifetime. What are you going to do at the end? I made that much money. Big deal. <laughs> but that's how superficial the American soul has become, as we see in our politics. So Jesus says, when you grow older, someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. I bet a lot of you are doing that, taking care of your elderly parents, or making a marriage work that is very, very difficult, trying to love somebody who doesn't know how to love back. But that's the task of the second half of life, where we have to draw upon resources and depths that we don't even know are there. That's what it's all about. That's what Jesus himself did at the very end. And he said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. Prophesying, as it were, and that's the tradition that Peter also would be crucified. And when he said this, he said to him, which phrase he uses 17 times in the four Gospels. Very simple. Follow me. Now, that might not seem shocking to most of you, but as I look at Christian history, the last two days I was addressing the Lutherans of this whole part of the United States, and I pointed out to them, you know, Jesus said, follow me 17 times, and he never once said, worship me. <laughs> Not once. Check it out. Try to find where he once said, worship me. And the Lutherans at least understood it. I, I hope you do. All the fights and arguments and divisions we've had over the shape and form of worship. We do it this way. You do it that way. Ours is the right way. Yours is the wrong way. We could have avoided it all if we just obeyed Jesus' words. He didn't tell us to worship him. He said, do life like I'm doing life. Trust God the way I also have to trust God. Love the way I have learned to love. And frankly, that's much harder for me too. I'd sooner argue about what color the vestments are and whether this priest is rightly ordained and whether there's two candles or four rather than love and have faith and have hope. That's what it means, it seems to me, to follow Jesus. Jesus.